everyone, this is Megan, one of the owners at the Bookshelf in Winchester. We sell a variety of metaphysical products including crystals, incense, candles, books, tarot, and more. Come and check us out at 106 Featherbed Lane in Winchester, Virginia. We can't wait to see you soon. You're listening to Ghosted in West Virginia. of the Ghosted Graveyard. I am your humble host, Alec McCann, and with me, as always, Julia McCann. Woo! Two times in a row. Come on, let's get it, guys. And, as a special guest, say something, son. That's a gag. <laughs> yep. Good job. Real proud. Good Real proud. job. <laughs> uh, for those of you that don't know, that was Oliver McCann. Uh, making his regular weekly appearance. How kind of him. Yeah, look at that. He ain't even worried about nothing. Alright. So, we just did Alberta, Canada. So now let's go into Quebec. Now, first, let us, because we didn't do it last episode, and I feel kind of bad about that. Matt Smith, thank you so much for giving us one of the coolest logos I think I've oh, ever yes. uh, seen for a horror podcast. It's not even a horror podcast, but I, you know, I sent him a drawing uh, because I'm such an artist uh, of this little ghost in a sheet, and he turned it into a masterpiece. And so, thank you, Maddie Smith, from both of us. Oh, he smashed you he with did. his head. Good. <laughs> so we're going to Quebec. Quebec, eh? This is a story all about... No. Um, so, this is called A True Haunting in Quebec. It's a, uh, uh, account I found while digging into, uh, I wanted to find a, a good dark haunting to talk about. Uh, so this is the story of a family living in a beautiful small town in the province of Quebec, Canada. The Prynne family consisted of... The father, James, mother, Wendy, two-year-old son, Daniel, and that's it. Nice, small little family. Right, little itty-bitties. Although, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, no, they they know who broke the stuff. Although the case came to light in September 1996, the problems they uh, encountered began years earlier. Both James and Wendy, before marriage, found themselves in a world of phenomenon, uh, few people experience. When they met and eventually married, the untold number of wonderful experiences they planned turned into hell. Oh no. oh, no. James was previously married, a black belt in karate. What a weird thing to throw right. out there. And was training to be an Olympic weightlifting or to be on the Olympic weightlifting team. While he was still dating his first wife, she made him aware of the fact that she was interested in Satanism and wanted to join a satanic 
cult. Cult. Not making much of it, he conceded to let her do it until the fad wore off. As time went on, he married her, even though he saw less and less of her. Hey, I barely... That's... He's really like, I'll tell you what, this is getting to be real good. The less I see it, the less we talk. She only comes around when she wants to have really crazy satanic nights. So, uh, you know, I think I just marry her. This seems like the basis for a decent relationship. Um, And when he did see her, he began noticing changes in her. Changes that scared him in a way he had never felt before. There he is. Yep. There he is. He's getting angry. He's getting angry. Um, It occurred to him that one day things just made a sudden change for the worse. He began seeing dark shadows move about the house in the dead of night, smell putrid smells that would almost make him sick, and hear muttered voices, although he was the only one awake in the house. Weeks after... Wouldn't it be funny if she was just, like, putting speakers in the house? Yeah. Like, little... like little spot i know it's like 96 so you know not terribly little but like hiding them behind (laughs) furniture and stuff and going you're going crazy james oh 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 no i need a bottle oh no you better go get a bottle so weeks after these activities began while cleaning one evening he discovered a journal his wife had been keeping the journal contained the most horrifying information he had ever laid eyes on yeah, she was probably like, I like green eggs and ham. Green eggs and ham, and <laughs> and sometimes I put the eggs up my butt what? and pretend to lay them like a chicken. Ew. That's what she does. That's what he found in the journal. Mm-hmm. Butt eggs. <coughs> oh, that's good for journalism. Uh. Tales of events taking place in her satanic group's gatherings, the conjuring of demons, and more importantly to him, the fact that she was planning on murdering him to prove herself to her group and her god. Uh, Shortly after that night, he left her. James moved to another area of Quebec province and opened several successful pet supply stores and said, no, thank you, demon wife. Wendy... Her older sister and two older brothers were raised in a loving Catholic family. Her mother and father provided all the love and security their children could ever need. Wendy recalled that when she was five years old, her parents told her they were going to someone's house to cast out demons from a Satanist. Oh boy. Uh. Upon returning, and from that point on, Wendy's family life was not the same. Her father was not the same. One night, she was lying in bed almost asleep when she heard the sounds of footsteps outside the front door. A key entered the lock. The door opened, closed, then pots and pans began clanging. Thinking her mother had gone out and returned to do dishes, she got out of bed to say hello, as children often do. Stop doing that, kids. You don't know what you're about to see. Exactly. Um, She entered the kitchen, to find the cabinet doors opening and closing and drawers sliding in and out. No one was in the kitchen. She ran to her parents' bedroom to tell them what she saw to find her parents were both sleeping soundly. Uh, oh man. Oh man, I'm getting stuffy again. 
When Wendy was 15, she began to realize what had been taking place in the house for the previous eight years or so. She went into the living room one evening in an attempt to ask her father why these occurrences were happening and noticed a black cloud hovering over him as he lay on the couch. Uh, 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 uh. That was creepy. I know, no one's going to listen to this. Shaken by the sight, she fled to her bedroom for the remainder of the night. She later discovered occult paraphernalia hidden in the basement that her father had hidden. Mentally and spiritually, at the end of her rope, Wendy, now 18, left home and went to work at a local successful pet supply store. Oh, boy, said, look at my employee. I need to wife her up. I need to, I need to get it. What's that dude's name? Weinstein style. <laughs> You want this job? As fate has it, she began working for James. See? See? Yeah. The first time they met, they fell in love. They began a relationship many months after the first meeting and soon found themselves talking about marriage. Since the day they announced their intentions, Wendy's father was completely against the two seeing each other. One day, her father showed up at the store, consumed with anger, threatening James with bodily harm. Who knew Canadians got down like that? I know. Uh, the, right? The police were called and arrived to a small crowd in the front of the store. When Wendy's father was confronted by the officer, he was so irate that he began shaking. And as confirmed by witnesses and the officer, his eyes began glowing red. Ooh, no. Uh, as was stated by the witnesses, it was not the he saw red syndrome. His eyes actually glowed. As the officers, or as the officer was escorting, 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 <laughs> es, escorting. escargo, escargo. I just think of when Ryan gave us his definition of escorting. What was it? When the, I think it was something about when the police escort you from so, somewhere so you don't get in trouble. No, no, it was so you, it? it was so you could go do something illegal. Oh, it was someone yeah. that took you to go do That's something right. illegal. That's what he thought an escort was. Um, he cursed them both and began chanting in an unknown verse in what is thought to be Latin. So then 1993, James and Wendy are married uh, and living in a 15-story condo. Well, I don't think they own the whole condo. I think they just live on the 15th floor. Um, that would still be awful. Imagine groceries. Oh, no, that's when you dumb waiter. Or something, you know, elevator that stuff up. Uh, they had also recently discovered that Wendy's father and James's ex-wife had been contacting each other. Ooh. James and Wendy, Scandalous. right? James and Wendy came to the conclusion that together they were out to destroy the marriage, one way or another. It was then that their situation went from bad to worse. Phenomena began happening to them now. At first glance, what was happening could be considered coincidental, but when taken in light of the big picture and knowing how the forces of evil work at, many, uh, at making people doubt their own sanity and over time breaking down their will to resist, these coincidences began to take on a whole new meaning. So at 3 a.m., always 3 a.m., even with, like, what, what's the Amityville was one at 3 a.m.? Yeah. 
315, something like that. <clears throat> That's always a bad time, yeah. man. It's always when I'm awake, too. Creeps me out. Yeah? You ever thought about killing me? When you snore. When I snore? Yeah. He's going to kill me when I snore? What if I did that to you? You'd be dead. <laughs> you, too. No, you'd be dead first. Well, I've heard my snoring. It's awful. It's like a bear. No. Yes. No. You vibrate the whole bed. You make walls on our, or you make pictures on our walls fall off from the vibrations. I heard a chainsaw the other day and thought you'd fallen asleep. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> At 3 a.m., James was awakened by the sound of banging and chirping. Oh, how fun. You hear boom, boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> Looking out the window, he saw hundreds of sparrows. Oh, okay, no, that's exactly what it was then. Yeah, uh, uh, he saw hundreds of sparrows flocking around his windows, only at his floor in the building. He thought it odd that sparrows would flock at 3 a.m. in the dead of winter, but thought no more about it and went back to bed. When I think of evil birds, I don't ever think of sparrows. Like, geese, absolutely. I don't even ever think of, like, <sighs> demonic stuff. I think more of, like, aliens. Nah, ravens give me that demon feel. Like, they're they're out there trying to take my soul. They're, they're awful. Ah! 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 That's probably terrible for those people. Ah! Uh, <clears throat> Three nights later, the same thing. I love that he just was like, oh, I mean, I mean, birds, it's weird, but... Whatever, I'm going back to bed. Like you and the UFO? Uh-uh, I was up. That was happening. I didn't go back to bed. It was there. <laughs> I have video of it. You don't take that away from me. Three nights later, the same thing happened. This time, the noise of the flocking seemed to increase. Three is a common trademark for the demonic or diabolical, uh, as to mock the trinity. A week later, one of the two family cats died. Uh, followed by the other four days later. James began losing weight at an accelerated rate. Originally being 220, he shriveled down to 130. Holy crap. It's a lot. We need to get us a demon. <laughs> <laughs> he went... That's probably like people out there like, no, you don't. Don't right? say things like that. That's just, that's just inviting things. <laughs> oh... Okay. What? All right. Um, he went to a local doctor who was able to determine that along with the weight loss, James was losing an incredible amount of blood, but could not find the source of the blood loss. He was hospitalized for a week to no avail. The blood loss was never located, and suddenly he began healing. Because he was out of that house for a couple of nights. That's mm -hmm. what it was. One night, a couple of weeks after his return, between the hours of 2.30 and 3.30, James's condo building and the surrounding community lost electrical service. They hadn't noticed because, of course, they were sleeping. Simultaneously, they awoke with a start, hair standing on the end of, in the darkness. Feeling as if something were in the house with them, James got up. The only light entering the house was the ambient light from the moon and stars coming through the many windows. As soon as he stood up, both... Uh, they both felt the temperature in the room drop drastically and a black cloud began forming in the doorway of their bedroom. This psychic cloud is always a telltale sign of a presence of an entity. Uh, the cold actually is the draining of a person's energy by a spirit to supply it with 
it needs, with it needs, with what it needs <laughs> to manifest. James picked up a baseball bat in, in, in his attempt to defend himself. And Wendy, futile as it may be. No, seriously, futile. We're going to hit a, a, a cloud with a bat. I guess. It's, no. That's like, get someone to vape at you and try and hit it with a bat. Tell me how successful you are. Yeah. Um, James took a step backward. The cloud began taking a more distinct form as it started entering the bedroom and coming to within five feet of where James was standing. S sensing a feeling of utter doom, James steps backwards just as an intense white flashlight uh, an intense white flash lights up his home. The light was not generated from a particular area or spot. It just seemed to be everywhere. Now dark again, they noticed the black form had retreated back beyond the doorway of the bedroom and began to diminish, but suddenly started reforming. It again approached the entrance to the bedroom when a second brilliant white flash struck. At that, the entity just disappeared for good. Several weeks later, Wendy, only 12 hours before the birth of Daniel, was in the bathtub. She noticed slashes beginning to appear on her abdomen. As they began forming, she called for James. He ran into the bathroom, and they both watched helplessly. I, I don't... I'd have to tell you to get out. Right? I'd have to be like, I'm sorry, you're going to have to leave. And you'd be like... But this baby, like, this baby's gonna have to go too. Uh, you know, uh, it's not very nice. <laughs> unfortunately, I can make another one. Uh, I'll just try again with with a different person. I'll go to a, uh, an egg bank. They've got those, right? Like if a dad wants to just be a dad by himself. I don't you, know. I don't think it would quite be as easy. Sperm out on an egg. Ew. No. What would you grow the baby in? That's too. Petri dish. <laughs> Petri dish. Well, eventually it would get big enough to have to be put into a human. We'll have to put it in an incubator. Like a chicken? Yes. And watch it hatch. It's water sack. You know, really, women are closer to spiders. Ew. You have sacks of eggs. So they painlessly formed a large V that started at the top of her abdomen and ran down to her navel. Within 10 seconds of fully forming, they simply vanished uh, without a trace. Wait, oh, that reminds me of like Freddy Krueger or something. Right. Uh, Wendy claims that it felt no pain during the process, as is common with these kind of slashes, and would have never even known that they had been there had she not looked down. She went into labor that night, and when the baby was born, the entire delivery staff turned away, gasping and choking. Daniel was immediately taken away, and neither Wendy nor James were allowed to see him for over two hours. James was understandably upset and frustrated when he confronted the doctors and nurses about what they had reacted to in such a manner. They just explained that there were complications and said no more. To this day, no one except the delivery staff knows exactly what happened or what they saw. That's interesting. Right. James and Wendy decided to move to another location now that da baby Daniel was part of the family. 
So they bought a fairly large farmhouse in the woods and they didn't even finish unpacking before activities began to arise. <clears throat> James entered the house one day to find the entire first floor covered with bugs. A layer of bugs an inch thick covered every inch of the floor. Couches, chairs, pillows, etc. He left the house frantically trying to find a way to get rid of the bugs. Uh, and when he returned, found there was not one bug. Gross. I'd, I'd be mad. I'd be like, first of all, right? David, no. Ugh. Despite the fact that the house had recently been renovated with all the latest insulation techniques and new windows, James had always been frozen to the bone. Oh, man. And you actually see that with Amityville again. Uh, the one dude yeah. was always cold. George. I'm I'm just I'm not always cold. You got the fan running in the middle of winter. Who wouldn't be cold? You're a crazy person. I love you. <laughs> uh, in the course of one winter, James had managed to burn ten knots of firewood and several thousand dollars of propane and oil into an attempt to warm himself, and he still could never get warm by now james and wendy began piecing the puzzle together his ex-wife her father together they had placed a curse on them they had placed a curse cursed they had placed a cursed you should let me proofread your notes probably and they had no idea how to break the curse and rid themselves from uh the hell they were experiencing it was then that the evil they were dealing with began to show its true power. James and Wendy were in the kitchen eating one night when they heard banging noises coming from Daniel's bedroom. James ran to the door and it swung open immediately to find the baby's crib moving across the bedroom floor as if it were walking. Daniel was still in the crib. That night, Daniel slept with them. The following day, James tied 100-pound weights to the legs of the crib to keep it from moving. Also, to settle his slight skeptic thoughts about maybe I just overreacted, uh, they later put Daniel to bed, and shortly afterwards, a loud banging was heard from Daniel's room. Entering the room, he saw the crib walking with the weights on each leg. So if he put 100 pounds on each one, that's 400 pounds. Yeah. Plus whatever the crib weighs. Cribs aren't usually too, well, maybe. Well, if they're put together, plus it's the 90s. Yeah. Either way, it's an impressive feat. Shortly after these incidents, the Prins decided that they really needed help. Again, they moved, hoping the occurrences dealt with the house and not them. They moved into a smaller house in a quaint suburban community. And the day after they moved in, again, activity picked up. It was then that they realized no matter how much they ran, the demons that were attacking them would continue to do so, regardless of where they lived. So, September 1996, an associate uh, first visited, this, is, this must be Warren, uh, and Lorraine Warren talking here. In 1996, an associate and I made our first visit to Canada to begin our investigation. We were met by the family, entered the house, and immediately felt the pressure and intensity of the powerful negative spirit uh, in the house. We conducted an in-depth interview, which was being recorded on both audio and video. During the course of the interview, 
Poundings were continuously occurring beneath my feet. If I moved, the pounding would move along with me. Within 30 minutes, uh, even I had decided to stop the interview. I knew that the prince were dealing with something demonic or worse. Well, what's worse than demonic? What would be worse than demonic? Satan. Wouldn't that still, that's not demonic? Uh, yeah, but he's like one, he's like steps above. Yeah, I guess. After completing the interview, I asked the couple to go about business as usual while we conducted our investigation. Daniel was already in bed, but would wake up in fits of terror, which would last ten minutes or so, uh, and then he'd fall back asleep. He never got more than one hour of sleep in a stretch uh, while we were there. Several shadow ghosts were seen throughout the course of the night, mainly around 2 to 4 a.m. Although they never approached anyone that night, the utter feeling of terror was overwhelming at times. I, myself, on several occasions, being psychologically attacked, but never outright. Most predominant in the house, though, was the cold. Although the thermostat was set for 68 degrees and displayed the same temperature reading, as was verified by my thermometer, I had never been so frozen to the bone. The following morning, after all our investigation, we left our 12-hour trip back to the U.S., now, having time to think about the events of the previous night and reviewing the tapes of the interview and investigation, I came to the conclusion that the Prins, uh, the same conclusion that the Prins did, uh, that they have a serious problem on their hands. James was correct in the assumption that he had been cursed, but it wasn't just a mere curse of bad luck that was following the family. The ex-wife and father together conjured at least two entities to attack this helpless family one of which I believe was a devil which was taking the role, leading role of playing out the destruction of not only the family unit, but the people themselves. Over the next month or so, I was, con or I was in contact with the Prince on almost a daily basis, and each time they would have a new experience to share. One day it was a pig grunting, then it was knocking over a bathtub Wendy was uh, in, or objects moving on their own. The point is... It is getting even worse, and the phenomenon was getting personal now. James was being slashed and cut. Wendy was being psychologically attacked. It was showing the trademarks of being well into the oppression stage, one step before its ultimate goal, possession. I decided another trip was needed due to the upscale events uh, taking place so four days before Halloween in 1996. I took a journey... I took journey number two to Canada alone. <clears throat> After another uneventful drive, I arrived at their house and immediately, uh, and they immediately told me that in a half an hour, a priest would be going to arrive to perform a blessing on the house and family. He did. Father Montgomery arrived, took his shoes off before entering, and said hello. He was not aware of any strange occurrences going on in the house until he arrived. I noticed that within minutes of his arrival, he began to break out in a sweat and started getting fidgety. He finally asked what the real reason for his visit was. Wendy looked at me and, without saying a word, asked me. I said yes, and then she proceeded to tell him what events were taking place in the house. Whoops. <laughs> he knew anyway. After telling her condensed story, Father Montgomery blessed the family and proceeded to bless the house, and when he started to bless the house, knockings could be heard at the far end of the house. He never left the living room. His blessing lasted a total of six minutes before he was out the door. He never even tied his shoes. 
I have seen priests in situations like this before. Some may not believe the family, some do. But this priest was scared and could not leave the house soon enough. That night, all hell broke loose in the house. Literally. Yeah. A clear, watery substance began dripping from overhead joints in the basement. I tried to trace the source of this, but I found that uh, it was coming from the wood itself. A possible water leak? Maybe. That's what I thought up until it turned to V8 juice. As the liquid continued to drip from the joints, or the joists, uh, it began turning into V8 until there was a puddle of it on the concrete floor. As soon as James smelled the juice, he turned green in color and told me that tomato products make him violently ill. That made sense. What better way to, to get someone than to continuously bombard them with the most repu repulsive uh, scent? I walked back up the main floor to the house and returned five minutes later to the joist, uh, which was now bone dry. Man. I stood in the basement several minutes to absorb what was happening when I suddenly realized the pack of cigarettes I had been keeping in my pocket were now gone. After searching for a while, I gave up on them and pulled out a fresh pack. Yeah, alright, whatever. Shortly afterwards, I heard James call my name. I went to the one of the bedrooms to where he, he was and noticed my cigarettes were propped up on a lamp in the room with the lighter I had kept in the pack now laying on the bed. At about midnight, one of Daniel's toy airplanes suddenly came to life and started flying in circles as it was suspended in the air by a fishing string. Wendy took the batteries out and placed them on the cedar chest in the living room and, all, and we all went into the kitchen to talk. Shortly afterwards, I heard soft whooshing sounds followed by a bag. The batteries had been thrown around a corner and down the hall and hit the door at the end of the hall before rolling to the left, ending in the same bedroom where the cigarettes were found. At about 1 a.m., Wendy was standing at the top of the stairs leading to the basement. She noticed an apple which had rolled from beyond her view uh, from, far, from the far end of the basement around a corner where it came into view and then to a stop at the base of the stairs. So this thing rolled around a corner. No thank you. Right. <clears throat> I went down to the basement, looked at the apple, came back up, closed the door behind me. No one but me went back into the basement after that point. Twenty minutes later, Wendy and I were talking in the living room, and James was in the kitchen. He walked into the living room to join us, and as he passed through the threshold of the open doorway, I heard the f that familiar whooshing sound as the apple came crashing into the back of James' head so hard it almost knocked him off his feet. Scared and shaken, James quietly asked me to dispose of the apple, which I did. Uh, man, I'd be so, I'd be like, first of all, you hit me with some fruit. Right. You hit me with some fruit in my house. <laughs> in my house, you're hitting me with fruit. In the back of the head. Have the balls to throw it at my face. There's a wood hornet. Is that what it is? Yep. Yeah. Terrifying. They're monsters. They're monsters. Hell, I um, so, after I finished, I walked into the bathroom to freshen up. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Uh, after this, he decided, this guy decided to walk through the house and sprinkle holy water, uh, commanding wherever it was to leave. After he finished that, he went to the bathroom to freshen up, and as soon as I closed the door behind me, I heard a loud crash against the bathroom door. I opened the door to find my holy water bottle laying in the front 
door or laying in the floor at the front door. Again, it was prevalent on our visit. I was frozen to the bone the whole night. After what seemed like an eternal and sleepless night, morning, uh, sleep. <laughs> After what seemed like an eternal and sleepless night, morning arrived. So it was time to depart. I now knew for sure I was dealing with a diabolical entity. This being, uh, this being had a very high intellectual, or had a very high intellect, as well as well-devised plan of attack for everyone in the house. It knew what would scare us the most and use that knowledge in an attempt to defeat us. I arrived back in the States and passed my evidence and testimony on to a colleague, and we began setting up details to have the Prince come to a local Connecticut church where a wonderful and very holy priest would bless the family. This was that like 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 that last priest pre, Father Montgomery. Right. Nope. He was a dirty old man. First of all, you don't bring that man in. He, that's why he was sweating. He was like, oh man, this dude's <laughs> oh man, this is one of my bosses. That's why he was sweating. Um, <clears throat> we all hope this would cure the family. In 1997, the Prince did come to Connecticut, uh, where the priest performed the blessing on the entire family. The rites were said with little disruption, and they returned to Canada the following day. As soon as they walked into the house, there was a strange peace present that had eluded them for so long. Both James and Wendy have stated that the oppressive feeling they have had, uh, they have been feeling for the last ten years, were now gone, and Daniel sleeps quietly through the night with no disturbances. The curse was broken. I contacted the Prince again in 97 and again in 98 and numerous times since then. And they are still finally alone. And uh, so that's the end of that story. What did you think? I liked it. Yeah. A little creepy. Yeah. If that stuff was happening to me, I'd, I'd be gone. Like yeah. moving house. Uh, I'm, no, I'm giving up on life. If it's, your ex put a curse on us. Uh -huh. like that, oh, I'd man. Yeah. No, thank you. No, thank you. All right, well, guys, uh, get ready for Moundsville Penitentiary, which will be in our Patreon. Please subscribe to our Patreon because the first 10 subscribers get a free mug with our new logo. So uh, check it out. That being said, we love you all. Good night. And don't let them touch your feet.